We'll also touch base with uh, the Bulls. Coach Nolis Morea ahead of their Super Rugby opener against the Stormers this weekend. And we'll also talk about the new Bafana Bafana coach. Valile Mbuli will be chatting about uh, the news of the shortlist uh, that is doing the rounds ahead of that appointment. But let's start with uh, the news story of the day. And that is that the South African ladies cricket team lost a cliffhanger to India in the final of the ICC Cricket World Cup qualifying tournament in Colombo. Batting first, the Proteas were dismissed for 244 in the 50th over. In reply, India were cruising at 144 for one in the 33rd. The Proteas then tightened the screws and in the end it went down to the final ball with India picking up two runs. They needed to win the tournament off the last ball with just one wicket in hand. Despite the disappointment, great news, Sunay Luce was named as the player of the tournament. Earlier today as well, Zimbabwe bowled out Afghanistan for 126. They claim a narrow three-run victory in Harare and cut the visitors' lead to 2-1 in the five-match ODI series. The men's Proteas team in action early hours tomorrow morning against New Zealand, the second of five ODIs. In the PSL tonight, one match to look forward to. Platinum Stars host defending champions Mamelodi Sundowns and UEFA Champions League action Manchester City up against Monaco at the Etihad. Atletico Madrid travel to Bayer Leverkusen. On to rugby now, Stormers coach Robbie Flex says he's feeling much more comfortable with his role as coach compared to this time last year. Fleck was handed the reins after Eddie Jones resigned after just two weeks in charge. Former Springbok Centre says he's done a lot of skills development. For me, you know, the break that I had post Super Rugby was a huge help. You know, I went on a sort of professional development and uh, spent some time abroad, um, you know, gaining some insight into how other coaches operate, how other teams operate. So that for me was... Um, a huge opportunity to develop myself and uh, our, our strength and conditioner, uh, Steph Toy. We gained a lot there and, um, you know, the, just the experience of coaching in Super Rugby for the first time as a head coach has given me a lot of confidence for this year. You know, regardless of results or whatever, I feel that I'm better prepared. I, was, I planned on the back foot last year because it was a late appointment. I had to get buy-in from these guys, you know, which... Uh, you know, which takes time. You know, they had to get faith and confidence in me. And I feel that I'm in a far better spot than I was this time last year. Staying out of news from the Storm, Monsieur Khaleesi has been confirmed as their skipper for the season. Eben Etzebeth will be his deputy in Varsity Cup news. The match that was postponed yesterday due to inclement weather was replayed today. It saw CUT go down to Schimler's 13 points to 22. And in Superbike news, day two of official preseason testing at Phillip Island, Jonathan Rear uh, was fastest ahead of Marco Melandri and Chaz Davies. Coming up next, we'll chat to Natalie Jamal. SAFM Sports Wrap. You're listening to SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader, and you would have heard uh, my top story on PM Live this afternoon. And I'm sure they are gutted, but uh, truthfully, I don't think they should uh, should be because they put up uh, an extremely brave performance. I'm talking about the South African ladies cricket team. What a final it was uh, earlier on today in Colombo of the ICC World Cup qualifying tournament. They took on India for the second time in the tournament, and uh, you couldn't ask for a better game of cricket. We're joined now by Natalie Germanis. Natalie, welcome on to SAFM Sports Show. I'm sure the team are gutted, but uh, man, what an for the game 
Yeah, absolutely. They'll be disappointed with the results in the end. But the fact that they fought back so well, they've got to give themselves credit for that. I know it, it will be hard losing by one record, one ball to spare in the end. It's, it's really, really tough from their point of view. They were 144 for one India at one stage, chasing that 245. It looked like they were going to absolutely coast home. They've got a good batting lineup, even though Matali Raj wasn't playing today. And it seemed like it was going to be easy for them. But South Africa came back really strongly to make an amazing game of it. India needed nine from six in the end, and they eventually got there, and only just, with just one wicket to spare. So, uh, South Africa will be disappointed with the result, but I think once that sort of settles and we have a couple of days to think about it, they'll be very happy with the efforts in the tournament. Yeah, absolutely. Some big positives to take out of this. Uh, We'll talk about the qualification in a moment, but uh, individual performances. Sunei Luce winning uh, player of the tournament, I think, uh, deservedly so. She She was superb. She was phenomenal, um, and she's, she's getting better and better with both bat and ball. She's always been a, a factor with the ball because of her leg spin, and she's been getting more and more economical, and also doing well in terms of taking wickets quite regularly. She did well in the World T20 as well. And I think the South Africans, the way they're using her right now is working pretty well. She's coming in either low down the order or she'll come in number two, which they did in the previous game where she came in early and she knocked off the runs pretty quickly. So that's like one down, won the game by nine wickets. So they use her differently. They use her in different ways. And it seems to be working. And she seems to be able to adapt very easily. And I think that's very important for South Africa in terms of taking their game forward. And so far, so good. She's 21 years of age and she's already played 44 one-day internationals. That's absolutely amazing amazing and she just seems to get better and better yeah that's incredible i mean a phenomenal record in this tournament she would be disappointed today she was run out uh, for a runnable 35 but i think the whole batting unit uh, today would be disappointed natalie i'm sure uh, many of them getting into to double fi- i say many of them all of them pretty much getting into double figures uh the highest score being 40 someone should have kicked on and, and that probably would have been the difference yeah, it's possible. I mean, when you look at it, you look at Mignon Dupree, she made 40 or 72 deliveries. Um, she would have preferred to have just upped her strike rates a bit. Generally, though, in women's cricket, the strike rates are lower than men's. Uh, a score of overall of 244 in 50 overs, or just about 50 overs, they were two balls short today, is, is a good score. And uh, especially on those type of wickets, because they generally tend to be slow and it's, it's harder usually to chase. And that's why South Africa chose the bat first when they won the toss. So a, a score of around 240, 250 is a very good score in women's cricket. They probably would have liked around 260, and that was definitely on. Unfortunately for South Africa, the likes of Lizelle Lee, for example, today, yes, she made 37 from 31, and she put up a good effort. She's just never really been able to kick on consistently as well. Uh, she's the type of batsman who goes at a strike rate of around 85, 88. And that's phenomenal to have as your opening batsman. Uh, but she just needs to find a point where she gets a little bit more consistent. She tends to go hard up front, which is fine if that works. But then often she will not quite go on from there. And every now and again she loses her wicket early. So it would be nice to see her get a little bit more consistent. She's a very, very talented player. She's got a lot of um, time ahead of her where she can become one of the best openers in the world. She's got all the goods to do that. And you've got the long, the, the, the very young Laura Borfot just next to her opening with her as well. So I think they probably could have kicked on a little bit more and they would have hoped for maybe 260. But I think the effort was about to get to 244 was good considering they were 186 or 5 at one stage. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Natalie, uh, talk about the positives. We've qualified for for the World Cup, which was mission number one, I think. Uh, We had to finish in the top four to to do that. So it wasn't, nothing was riding on today's game other than winning the the tournament. So uh, mission accomplished in in the greater scheme of things by, by going to this tournament. 
Yeah, I think so. They'll be very happy. Um, as, as you mentioned, it's the second time they played India. They, they lost the first game against India as well. So the only opponent they lost to in this tournament was India. In, in fairness, they would have known that would have been their strongest competition in the qualifiers. Um, when you look at the other teams that were there, it is a little bit of a lopsided tournament, unfortunately. Um, but it's good to see that some of the teams are getting the exposure that they've been given in this tournament. But when you look at um, South Africa, I think... India, as you say, maybe maybe there wasn't too much to be gained from the final. But I think there would have been a psychological edge mm-hmm. because they will play India in the World Cup where you play everybody. There's eight teams and they play everyone. So it might have given them a psychological edge going into that World Cup. And that might have been the one thing they would have loved to have taken out of it. Of course, they want to take momentum from it as well because winning is a habit. Um, so I think for, for the South African ladies, they'll be very proud of the effort. It's been very tough. Um, I know it's been very hot in Sri Lanka as well. So it's not been an easy tour for them. Um, but uh, they've put up a, a really good performance. Again, they'll be a little disappointed with the result in the end. But once the dust settles, they should be very happy. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that first game against India in the Super Sixes, they lost by 50-odd runs. Today's was, was obviously a lot closer. You mentioned it being hot in Colombo. But uh, from a pitch perspective, uh, probably similar-ish to what they're going to experience in, in England. A uh, lot slower and, and, uh, and a bit of turn compared to... To what they used to back home. So, fantastic preparation for our team. Well, I think a preparation point of view will be good in terms of the number of matches they've played. Um, it's good to see that they're getting the opportunity to do that. Whereas the top four teams wouldn't have played that many matches going into the World Cup. Um, we've got at the moment New Zealand and Australia up against each other in a T20 um, series that they've been playing. Is that good preparation or not? I'm not too sure. But the fact that our goals have had the chance to play more matches, I think really does work in their favour. As far as conditions go, um, I think we should see it a little bit quicker than we see it in the subcontinent. and It might move around a little bit more and the, the wickets will hold up better. The chasing will be easier. But it all depends on, on, on the ground and stuff that they're going to be playing at because they're obviously going to be playing on more on more of the sort of fringe grounds, if you want to call it that, around England. They will be playing a final at Lords, though, which will be a great occasion for the ladies. Um, but the, the conditions will be interesting. I, I reckon it will be a little bit quicker in the subcontinent and also uh, shouldn't take as much to in England. Well, fantastic. Nats, that uh, competition, or the, the World Cup, takes place in England, uh, middle of the year. Eight teams, so the, the four who had already qualified, you mentioned New Zealand, Australia, but this tournament, uh, the, the next four through, so, so that lineup's decided. Do we know, draw-wise, uh, I mean, you mentioned everybody plays everybody in the knockout stages, uh, or in the group stages before the knockout stages. Does it matter who we play first up, or is it a case of, you know what, you've got to go prepared for, for everything that's thrown at you? Yeah, I think you've just got to be prepared for every game that comes along. Every game will count. And South Africa know they've got a really good chance against Sri Lanka and Pakistan, and they'll be hoping that they can possibly beat India in that tournament because this condition should slightly favour them a little bit more. The, the tough part comes in the fact that only the top four go through to the semifinals. There's no quarterfinals, of course. So you've got to, you have to finish in that top four. And that means you have to beat either Australia, England, New Zealand, or West Indies. And that's really going to be very tough to beat any of those teams because those are very strong teams, despite the fact that England has had a lot of changes to their personnel as well. And Australia have, have lost to New Zealand um, in that T20 series. So um, it, it, it's going to be very, very tough. They know they have to beat one of those teams. It's not impossible. that They could possibly do it. They've beaten New Zealand in one-day internationals before, and they've taken Australia very close recently. They had a tie against them last year. Um, so it, it is a possibility that they could cause an upset, but they know that it'll have to come from one of those big teams.
Yeah, absolutely. Exciting times ahead for South African cricket. Uh, ladies playing uh, fantastic cricket. The men doing exactly the same. So uh, it bodes well for the sport in, uh, in the country. Natalie Jumanis, thank you very much for your analysis once again. Much appreciated. And we look forward to, to catching up again soon. Thanks very much, Greg. This is Sport on SAFM. Every supporter's greatest resource. Well, we've been chatting about it all week and the start of the 2017 Super Rugby season gets underway this week and the South African team's been working hard in the off-season. Uh, lots of pre-season friendlies have uh, been taking place uh, around the country and uh, we're joined now by the coach of uh, the Bulls. Notice, Maria. Notice, welcome on to SAFM Sport Trap. Thanks for your time tonight. No, thanks, man. It's always a privilege. No, that's great. Uh, great start for you guys to the season. Uh, it's, it, it, I mean, the, the, the South African derbies are, are generally pretty tight and, and, and hard fought. So you up against the old foes, the Stormers, uh, on, on Saturday. It's, uh, I mean, it, it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't sort of ease you into the competition at all, does it? No, it doesn't. Not in our second year in a row. We're getting them at Newland, so it's going to be a tough challenge on Saturday, but uh, nothing better than a North-South derby, so we're looking forward to it. Yeah, it's all classic in, in South African rugby, isn't it? Now, let's, let's talk a little bit about your, your fixture list as a, as a total. You've got a couple of home games or a couple of games in South Africa to start with, but uh, as far as draw goes, the conference system that was brought in last season has made things pretty interesting. The teams that, that faced uh, the majority of the Aussie teams last season playing all the Kiwi teams this season and, and you're one of those teams it's, it's going to be I mean if last year was hard this year is going to be even harder No it definitely is going to be tough you know at the end of the day we're looking at the first seven games we play one game at home against the Sunwolves the rest is all away games and then we return back to play you know um, the Jaguars and, uh, and also the Cheetahs at home and then all most top four New Zealand sides in South Africa so it's going to be tough for us but if you want to win the competition at the end of the day you know you have to compete against the best sides and as you seen last year, you know, you have to beat the New Zealand side to win the competition. Yeah, you, you, you mentioned last year as well, and, and I think last year is probably a good example of that. You look at uh, a team like the Lions, who, who they had a good season, there's no two ways about it, but they were playing uh, a lot of the Kiwi sides, and, and, and they were almost used to that intensity, whereas if you look at the South African sides that, that weren't in action against the Kiwi sides, uh, really struggled when they got to the knockout stages, because, uh, I mean, let's be honest, the Kiwi sides are head and shoulders against uh, or, or above the rest of the world at the moment. No, definitely. I mean, we played against the Stormers at Loftus. We beat the Stormers and next weekend. We played the Lions and they beat us with intensity and pace and we took 50 to 20 points. And then we knew exactly that, you know, we have to make a mind shift how we play and how we have to do things if we want to, you know, win the competition. So Lions were far above us last year because I've played against the New Zealand side. The pace, the intensity is something different to what we were used to. Nolis, you, you, you're right, you say a change of mindset. Obviously, coming into a season like this, you, you need to change things. You can't do the same things year in and year out and expect different results. What, what, what can we expect from the Bulls in 2017? Well, the first thing we did is, you know, we went down to uh, Brisbane and played the Chiefs there in a warm-up game. We played in a tense competition in Brisbane tense. Just to see, you know, if our intensity and our, you know, our breakdown of things can compete against the New Zealand sides. Uh, we had a good game against the Chiefs sides. We beat them 28-7, so... We know exactly what to do and, you know, what we need to improve to be competitive. Always, uh, certainly it's going to be a tough road ahead, but I think the Bulls are, you know, up and we're looking for a good season and I think that the way we want to play and the way we're looking at things is different to what we did previously. From a, from a personnel perspective, nice to have uh, the likes of Andre Pollard back. Uh, he's been out of action for, for a long time. He looked, he looked pretty good uh, pre-season. How's he holding up? 
No, he's looking very good. I mean, uh, before we cheer, played a Chiefs game, he said to me, Coach, it's a lot. I haven't played in 367 days. I said, that's a long time, but today, today. And he was excellent. He played 60 minutes against the Chiefs. He played very well. Uh, no, so he's looking in good form. You know, you've got guys like Rudy, Jacques, Jacques Pulsitis. So, you know, the Cyclists are looking good for this year. Yeah, you mentioned Jacques Pulsitis, obviously, uh, with a stint overseas. And, and he was in great uh, great form for, for the Waratahs when he was playing in Oz. Uh, great to have him bolster your, your, your loose forward attack. It does give you some headaches, though, as far as selection goes. Yeah, at the moment, not that much. Because Janus Kirsten, uh, Kirsten Arden with a still injured. So, uh, you know, for the next two weeks to time, two weeks time, it'll give you a bit of a headache. But I mean, Jock also brings that bit of experience that we were lacking last year in the loose forwards. So, um, you know, uh, as it goes, advantage line domination, he's quite good at it. And he brings intensity, he brings experience, and the guys are looking up to him. Coach, as, as far as Andre Pollard back, as, as good as that is, uh, someone else in your back line who's been a pretty important cog in, in that wheel is, is Jan Sadfontein. How's, how's he holding up from an injury perspective? I know he's been struggling. What, what's, the, what's the forecast looking like for him? No, Jan will join the team on Thursday, but we will not consider him for this weekend, but we will consider him for next weekend against the Cheetos. Yeah, that's uh, great news for you guys. Let, let's talk about the Stormers a bit as well. Uh, last season, they, they started off pretty tough, obviously, with uh, the Eddie Jones debacle and, and him being announced coach and then leaving to go and coach England. Uh, Robbie Fleck thrown in the deep end a bit, but he's been with the team now a year. He's done, I know he's done a lot of work in the off-season sort of from, from to, to get him up, up to speed coaching-wise. Uh, he's been involved in the pre-season. Do you expect a, a very different Stormers team this season? No, I think it's, I know, I think the Storm and the Bulls know exactly what we're in for this season, you know, especially beating against the New Zealand sides. I've spoken to Robbie a few times and, you know, different coaching and Davos we had. And, um, they're looking at a good side at the moment. They've got a lot of experience. If you even look at the lock pairing, you know, you've got Evan, you've got Peter Steff, you've got Lewis, you've got Arif here. It's going to be a good combination this weekend. Both good sides, you know, at the end of the day, it's going to be tough in our conference. Coach, you mentioned the coaching in Darba as well. Uh, how, how much is that going to play into... Uh, it's a difficult one, because obviously as the Bulls, you want to win Super Rugby, but uh, at the end of the day, we all want to work together to improve South African Rugby. Are, are we going to see a massive improvement this year overall from the South African teams? I think that, you know, the, the biggest part of anything is to start a discussion, and we have now had our third coaches in Darba, and I think we're getting to a point where certain things are implemented. At the end of the day, each franchise is still responsible to win. We got our, you know, our responsibility to our stakeholders. But obviously, we want to work towards a common goal. And I think that, you know, if you're looking at the blueprint they're putting out now at the moment, and certain things we're trying to put in place, I think definitely a step in the right direction. I was going to ask, do you, do you firmly believe we're moving in, in the right direction to, to challenge uh, for, for a Tri-Nations title and, and possibly a World, tit- uh, World Cup title in years to come? I think if we keep the discussion lines open as we're doing it at the moment and everybody's buying into the plan, we definitely are. Marlis Murray, thank you so much for your time this evening here on SAFM. Best of luck uh, for this weekend's clash against the Stormers uh, and for the upcoming season. Uh, I know these Super Rugby seasons tend to get longer and longer year after year. Uh, hopefully you can keep the squad injury free, free and, uh, and possibly a, another t- Super Rugby title for the Bulls. That will be one of the greatest years of my life. I thank you a lot. I appreciate it. You're listening to Sport on SAFM, the next best thing to being at the game. This is South Africa's news and information leader, and the speculation continues uh, around who is going to be taking charge of the South African national football team. 
And uh, there's been lots of talk over the last uh, 24 hours or so about a shortlist, a possible shortlist of five potential coaches. And we join now by SABC Sports' Valile Mbule. Valile, welcome on to SAFM Sports Wrap this evening. Obviously, the attention on uh, who's going to get the top job for Bafana Bafana, but some, some interesting names being thrown around. Well, good evening, Brad, and also to the listeners. It's looking clear at this stage that um, this new Bafana Bafana coach uh, will be announced before uh, Tuesday uh, next week. As you know, that the Safa leadership had said uh, not long ago that um, they are targeting to have the new coach uh, before the end of this month. As you know, that uh, next month they are supposed to be playing two international friendly matches against Guinea-Bissau and Angola. And uh, judging by what we've been getting in the last 24 hours, and also even today when we had Safa House, uh, Safa 3 Dennis Mumble, confirming that um, they now have a short list of uh, five uh, coaches. And um, yesterday we know that uh, Times Live uh, reported that um, former former, former coaches, Stuart Baxter, and also Iran national team coach, Carlos Quiroz, uh, two-times upcon winning coach, uh, that is... Um, Hazel Renard and also uh, Hugo Bros from uh, Belgium, who has just won the Afcon with uh, Cameroon, including former England national team coach Ryan Hudson. Uh, these are the coaches uh, that they allege that have been shortlisted by the 11-member search committee that was appointed by SAFA last week. That includes the likes of Bill McCarthy, Lucas Kabele, and Mel Tobin. So now it's time to see whether... Safa um, will be mentioning any of those candidates that have been reported about. It's going to be interesting to see which way they do go. Valile, let's 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 look for 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 interest sake at those five candidates, and, and let's talk about the two coaches who've previously coached Bafana, Stuart Baxter and uh, Carlos Queiroz. What are your thoughts on on revisiting the past? I mean, looking looking at what those two gentlemen did in the past with the team, are, are we moving in the right direction if we go back there? Well, Brett, I think uh, in this case, uh, the primary um, requirement for this new coach, as uh, we were told by uh, President Denis Jordan two weeks ago, is that the men should have qualified for the AFCON or the World Cup through the African qualification system, which is something that disqualifies uh, Baxter in this case because uh, he didn't achieve any of that. In fact, even... And with Keza Chief on the continent, he didn't, he didn't have a good record. He couldn't even reach the group stages um, of the Af- African Champions League. And also, um, when it comes to Carlos Quiroz, uh, it's, it's not a, a secret in African football that uh, he's always been the preferred candidate um, of uh, Denis Jordan, even in the last... Uh, <coughs> round where they were looking for a coach where they ended up uh, settling for Ephraim Sheikhs Mashaba. It was also uh, widely reported that uh, they settled for Sheikhs because uh, he was the cheapest option. Uh, otherwise, the first choice was Carlos Quiroz. Remember that Carlos Quiroz is the last coach to have qualified Mafana Mafana to the World Cup in 2002. And this is through a qualification system, not hosting like uh, in 2010. And um, you remember even in that that year we even qualified for the AFCON. Uh, he, in fact, he was fired after um, playing in the AFCON in Mali in 2002. Uh, he couldn't even go to um, the World Cup in South Korea and Japan despite having qualified uh, the team for that. In fact, um, as things stand now, uh, some of us understand that the two main candidates for this job is Carlos Quiroz and the two-time AFCON 
a winning coach has a Reynard. Let's talk about Reynard. He's a Frenchman, charismatic. He's done some great things on the continent. I like him. Will, will he put up with the politics in South African football? Well, I think from where he's coached, Fred, uh, in Zambia, in Cote d'Ivoire, he's also been involved uh, even in Ghana. Uh, that's when he first came onto the continent assisting Claude Leroy, his mentor, as an assistant with Ghana in 2008, and now in, in, in Morocco. The politics of African football become nothing to him. Um, in fact, I think one of the things also is that he's exposed uh, to football uh, in this part of the land because he was coaching Zambia. And I remember during the time when he was coaching Zambia, they were holding most of their training camps here in South Africa. In fact, staying close to even our building there at, uh, at Auckland Park uh, because they used to to camp at, at Mill Park and they would train at UJ just next to SABC. And most of the time, they would be playing training matches they are training matches that were played at the Nike Football Center in Soweto. And uh, interestingly, his preferred opposition um, was against an academy that is owned by Jesse Kundekhodi, who was appointed uh, by Orlando Paris as an assistant coach yesterday. And uh, when he won even the AFCON in uh, 2012, uh, he had nine players who were playing in the PSL. So he's very much exposed to South African football. Mm. The, the other two candidates, uh, Hugo Bruce, who, who you rightly said, won the 2017 AFCON title. His share price has, has obviously gone up a lot since that victory. And, and Roy Hodgson, who uh, fell out of favour in England uh, with, yeah, uh, I mean, let's not even go there. But ca- <laughs> can we afford those two? Like, if they are, are genuine candidates, can South African football afford them? Well, you know... Uh, last week, um, Safa President uh, Denis Ugandi did say that, uh, in fact, to answer the question uh, you're asking, uh, you said, can we afford not to afford uh, the best coach that Bafana Bafana is looking for? But I, I think for me, Roy Hudson maybe is just the issue of profiling. You know, when you've got these five candidates and you want to profile the candidates you, you have, uh, or you want maybe uh, even to the global uh, media out there in terms of reporting that uh, we have something he's been uh, mentioned amongst the five candidates that has been shortlisted by South Africa. I don't, I don't think he will make the top three or even be, be that candidate because I feel that, no, uh, I don't think we can uh, really afford him. Um, as much as Denis is saying, can we afford not to afford the best candidate? Yeah. I, I go back to the issue of uh, Roberto Mancini, who had applied for this job. Sometimes these coaches, they just take the chance, because Mancini, he is said to be someone who was earning a minimum of 500,000 uh, euros uh, to 700,000 euros. That's a minimum of 6.5 million rand. Uh, so, I don't think uh, maybe he will be in this group, but all these other four coaches, uh, including Hugo Bros. Uh, I spoke to Anel Nonga. He played under Hugo Bros in Belgium in 2007, and he feels that he's um, a very good coach. In fact, he had even told me about him even before he won the Afcon uh, with 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 Cameroon. You'll recall that uh, the first two matches for Hugo Bros uh, as a Cameroonian coach it was against South Africa, including that wonder goal uh, that got the Puskas uh, nomination mm-hmm. for 
for for for Kekana. So it's interesting uh, that you've already seen what Saska uh, has, and also some of these guys they like the infrastructure here. I mean, today we're with the FIFA president um, Jean Infantino. He liked what he saw, but it's just a matter of uh, transforming whatever we have now onto the field of play. Uh, but I, I I do feel that the five candidates, especially the four candidates, that I feel strongly about that uh, Safa is looking at. And I think these are men that um, can take our football to the next level. Well, we'll wait and see. Uh, the 28th is next week, Tuesday, the bosses said. We'll have uh, a decision by then. Who knows? Uh, it could be sooner. We'll have, we'll have to wait yeah, and see. It could even be before, uh, Brad. It could even be before, maybe by, by this weekend. And we will see because the issue now also becomes the issue of availability because Super Sport United has already came out to say they are not prepared to replace Stuart Baxter, but Stuart Baxter says he's available um, by virtue of him being um, shortlisted. Also, last month, Quiroz resigned, but the Iran FA is yet to accept that resignation. You have a Hugo Bros also. Uh, where the Cameroon FA is contesting that he's still contracted to them is going nowhere. And then you have the situation of Heather Renati still also uh, committed uh, to Morocco as well. So it's, 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 it's a very interesting situation. Uh, and, but uh, let's wait and see. I think they are saying it's a matter of minutes, uh, or few hours, or even a few days. Let's wait and see. Well, let's put it out there, Vlile. I know you're available, I'm available, and Safa can definitely afford us. So, who who knows? We saw what happens uh, with coach appointments earlier on this week. There might be one out of left field. It could be Vlile Mbule, the new Bafana Bafana coach. Well, I think they've also been boosted by um, the Labour Court uh, ruling uh, today. Um, you know that uh, Sheikh Mashaba and also his uh, legal team, uh, they were attempting to block Safa from... Uh, appointing this coach, uh, this new coach, until uh, the CCMA uh, hearing sits uh, at the beginning of next month. But um, bad news for him and the legal team today uh, that uh, ruling um, where Safa uh, got a green light that they can go ahead and appoint a new coach. There's nothing uh, stopping them. So I think from that end, uh, I'm sure it's giving them a good momentum to finish what they want to do this week. Well, what's the space? Valile Mbuli, thank you so much for your time this evening on SAFM Sport Trap. Much appreciated. We look forward to, to hearing who's going to be in charge of Bafana Bafana going forward. Thank you, Brett. Thank you, Brett. SAFM Sports Trap. And that's about it for SAFM Sports Trap this evening. Thank you to all of our guests. And, uh, yeah, Super Rugby gets underway this Thursday, which is uh, quite strange. Uh, Aussie games happening on a Thursday night in Australia, which means Thursday morning here in South Africa. So uh, lots of Super Rugby to look forward to this weekend. And uh, who knows, hopefully by Tuesday. We'll know who the new Bafana Bafana coach is. Not long to go now till, as Valila said, those uh, friendly internationals. So uh, hopefully Safa does make a decision soon. It'll be interesting to see who they do go for. Coming up on the other side of 7 o'clock, it is the talk shop with Naledi Maleo. I'll be back again tomorrow evening for SAFM Sport Trap. There's no sport on PM Live due to the budget speech that's taking place in Parliament tomorrow. So I'll be back at 6.30. There is sport tomorrow morning, however, on AM Live. So make sure you tune in then. For myself, Brad, Brown and my producer Siobhan Chetty thank you so much for listening right now it is 7 o'clock and Greg Coase has your news